Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Hello, and I'm Swati Young, and welcome to Cracking the AI Code podcast, where we discuss and debate the new technologies in the world of artificial intelligence, like data science and machine learning. I'm sure you all heard the hype about a new AI app every single day, whether it is by Microsoft, Oracle, Amazon, Alibaba. Artificial intelligence is invading our lives and it's imperative for us to understand what are the skills behind learning these technologies. Because believe it or not, the jobs of tomorrow depend on AI. Today I have with me Frank Lavinia, who is an artificial intelligence expert at Microsoft. Welcome, Frank. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in. So let's start off with your origin story so we understand from your background and schooling mm -hmm. what it is that interested you to get into data science and AI. Right. So uh, origin story, I feel like a comic book character now, you know. Um, so yeah, wear your Superman my hat. My Superman <laughs> hat. Um, so I started college with the intent of being a chemical engineer. Um, but uh, a schedule conflict, because at the time I, I was in ROTC and I couldn't make a certain lab, so I took a computer science course. Mm -hmm. And then I discovered that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a Commodore 64 when I was a kid. And um, Very cool. I, we didn't have, my, once my parents bought me that, they were like, I was like, well, I want to get some games for it. And they looked at me like I was crazy. Like, uh, do you realize how much money that thing was? Mm-hmm. Um, so then my mom said um, something that I don't think she realized the, the gravity it had on my 12-year-old brain was, well, why don't you just make your own games? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, why don't I? Right, there uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's what started it. Uh, mm -hmm. So I guess that's the true kind of uh, origin story. Um, flash forward to college, when I was uh, looking for college, I want to be a chemical engineer because, quote, unquote, there was no future in being a software engineer or professionally. This is 1991, the, right? Yeah, so, back in the day, my dad was a chemical engineer. So oh, okay. So you I know, know like, that. Yeah. So I remember, um, I remember when I wanted to switch, and my my parents were very much like, you know, you you know, we're, you know, we, I come from a blue collar background and uh, fairly modest uh, uh, beginnings, and mm -hmm. uh, they were like, you know, you're not going to college to study something, you know, crazy or mm -hmm. basket weaving. Like, you have to go get a real job, doctor, lawyer, or engineer. That was pretty wow, much. Wow, this sounds like India. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, so when I when I kind of broached the subject of you know I want to switch my major to computer science, mm -hmm. um, there was a bit of drama about that. So um, as luck so, would what attracted you to computer science at that point when it was still very nascent and not too much talk about it? Right. So um, what attracted me was the focus that I got. Right. So you know I was twelve. I was writing video games. Right. That that's. How I got that's pretty early, like 90s, right? Right, this would have been uh, giving my age away, but I mean, mm -hmm. this was 84. I actually got it on, oh, wow. uh, I actually got my first computer. I still remember the day because it was happened to be Easter Sunday that year. 
Um, it was my Easter gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so April all f- the kids listening to the show. There you Note go. the Easter gift. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I'll get my, if my kids listen to this, I'm going to eat those words. But mm-hmm. um, uh, it was uh, April 1st, 1984. That's when I got my computer. So I was in 12. So if you could do the math, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you can figure out how old I am. And I was just fascinated by it. You know, mm-hmm. like I could. It's hard to understand today, right? Mm Because technology is all around us, right? Computers back then were um, not obvious in our lives. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were in our lives, but not obvious. And they were the big kind of big banks of green screen, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the the screens and stuff. Uh, For me, it was exciting because the Commodore 64, you could change colors, you can make it play noise. There's all sorts of fun stuff you could do. In a lot of ways, it was ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. And and it was also affordable compared to, you know, the alternatives. And, um, you know, we would... I, I would, uh, you know, you go to the newsstand, you could pick up like uh, how to, you know, how to write your own games and they give you the programs. You could type the programs in, which was very tedious. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I learned to do was modify the games the that they had. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of games like I would go in and I would, I would basically write my own cheat codes <laughs> inside the games. So it started with just tinkering, creating your game. Absolutely. And the interest developed from there. Yeah. And it kind of excited me about that. And, mm-hmm. and, and um, as a, as a student, um, I hated math, like despised math. Oh, wow. So all you kids out there, mm-hmm. um, there's hope for you yet, right, um, if you hate math. Um, but one of the things that I did, I remember writing a video game was like a space shooter. So I had to figure out how do I get the little spaceship, the the, the bad guys, to automatically target you, mm-hmm. right? And how did I get to figure that out? Ultimately, I kind of figured out trigonometry mm-hmm. by reading computer programming manuals. So you went the other way around instead of math to computer programming. Right, 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 right. So, um, so I was a terrible math student up until uh, junior year of high school when we got into trigonometry. And as we're going through this, I'm like, I've done this before. This looks familiar. And I, 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 you know, a couple of years, of, you know, between, you know, 12 and like, you know, 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. It's, it's only five years, but at that time, it's a lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, this all is familiar. So I went from being like one of not the worst kid in math, but not exactly my shining subject too. Like it was my top thing, like ridiculously good at it. And, um, um, that's when, uh, you know, I was like, this is cool. Mm -hmm. So when I found out that, um, I never really thought of it as a career. And when I saw, um, I had to take a computer programming course to fulfill something for chemical engineering, I took it and I was like, I was like, wow, you mean you can actually do this? Right. And this was New York. So I went to Fordham university. Okay. Uh, up in the Bronx. And, so uh, what you're saying, which is a very interesting point that everybody who's listening to the show should understand, is that you need not be in love with math or be the top student in math absolutely. to actually love programming, right? Or get into computer science. Absolutely. Because yeah. you have to be, especially if you're a kid, mm-hmm. and I, now that I'm a parent, mm-hmm. I have kids that are approaching that age that I was, um, fortunately, my, uh, my, 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 my older son, who's, uh, who's nine now, he's, he's really into math and computers and stuff like that. So it's like, uh, mom's an engineer too. So maybe that has something to do with it. But, Absolutely. um, uh, the, uh, the key is, is that I wanted to build, I wanted to play games, mm-hmm. right? And we didn't have the means to buy the games on top of the computer. And, so uh, make your own. So I made my own and that kind of got me into like, Hey, this is actually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So when I found out when I was in college, like, wait a minute, people do this for a living? And I kind of knew that, but when my mom worked at a big, uh, big corporation, and, and the computer people were the pe- weird people in the basement. That's an exact quote from what my mom told me. <laughs> wow! You don't want to be one of those weird people in the basement. Yeah. So I knew, you know, parents know their kids, and kids know their parents. So what I did was, uh, you know, back in back in the day, this was 1991, so they still printed newspapers with job listings every week. So we had the New York Times, 
um, the Sunday Times always had a huge job section. Mm-hmm. So all I did was prove my 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 father's point. Like go, you're going to college to get a good job, not to study, you know, philosophy. Right? Mm-hmm. Not no knock on philosophy. I love philosophy. <laughs> and then philosophy has implications in artificial intelligence. Absolutely, today. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I went to Fordham University. It's a big philosophy school. That's kind of one of their their core things. Um, mm-hmm. That that has actually served me because I can kind of like. All the courses, this is funny. So if you're in college and you're taking courses you absolutely do not like, mm-hmm. like as you get older, you're like, oh yeah, they're actually Learning to useful. appreciate it a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like as I get older, I'm like, oh yeah, all the garbage things or things I thought were garbage were actually uh, actually kind of uh, refined over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I just showed him where uh, Wall Street programmers who, who were software engineers were making ridiculous amounts of money for the time. And I remember like doing a whole uh, presentation to my parents who were like, you know, very. My dad was skeptical, but my dad was always pragmatic mm-hmm. to a fault almost. And my mom was like, "No, no, no! You got to be a chemical engineer. That's the only real, or a lawyer, mm-hmm. or a doctor, right?" And um, so when I showed them, I was like, "Well, look how much like somebody with a college degree makes at these Wall Street banks." Mm-hmm. And my father looked at it. He looked. There were like three or four pages of C plus plus programmers and stuff like that. So he was and Wall Street was the Google of the day. Oh, Wall Street was the Google day. So, I mean, kids, yes. remember this is before Google, before Netscape. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this was like this was where, particularly in New York, right? Like right. all the all the the brains went to Wall Street, and um, the, so my dad was like, he flipped through a couple of pages and he folded the paper, says, "I'm sold." Mm-hmm. And my mom was still skeptical, but she she played along, and uh, lo and behold, it ended up being a, a good career choice. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So I actually go through your blog off mm-hmm. and on, and it's very interesting. You actually started blogging around 2004. I did. And incidentally, I started blogging 2005, but that blog was my personal thoughts and opinions about books and movies. Very narcissist, right? So, But yours was so different. It's it has so much of value, I see, even today. So oh, thank what, you. what made you think in 2004 that blogging was a medium you could use uh, to, you know, spread awareness about technology or write your own thoughts about it? That's a good question. So uh, full disclosure, I had a blog in 2000. Oh, wow. That I don't talk <laughs> about very much. Before 2004. Um, so uh, I lived in Europe. I, so I actually, I, again, I was working on Wall Street, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my bank was bought by a much larger German bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, they basically came to us and said, uh, well, um, you know, your job's moving to Frankfurt, Germany. Mm-hmm. You can... Either go a, there or stay here. Right, or, or, or get fired, basically. Get laid off. Mm-hmm. You know, go there or get laid off. At the time, I, I uh, you know, I, I called BC before children. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, why not? So I, I, I moved to Frankfurt. And uh, this is back in the day when long distance was still a thing. Mm-hmm. So I actually found it. I would have like tra- a travel blog kind of like, this is where I went this weekend. Because in, in Europe, you know, especially Frankfurt. Yeah, the, the travel Arab- log. Actually, my blog was some on those lines because I worked in Belgium for a time and oh, okay, cool. was documenting where I went in Belgium, like Ghent and Antwerp on my nice. blog. Yeah. So yeah, so you understand. So so yeah. it was a great way to keep people like back home mm-hmm. informed. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I kind of realized I liked it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It was fun to, to to take pictures and and uh, write about you know, hey, this is what I saw and, and stuff like that. And then I would come home for a visit, and people I hadn't really talked to like like neighbors down the street or whatever, they'd be like, hey, I saw, like, Berlin looks pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, how'd you do? They were like, I've read your your blog on it. And I was like, oh, 
huh, so people actually read what I write. Like, wow, that's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So uh, in 2004, uh, I found myself kind of uh, in a career transition uh, from being a Java developer to wanting to get more into the .NET space. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I was a consultant, and um, uh, I had actually uh, uh, lost a job opportunity to a guy. You know, jobs were... Uh, this was after the dot-com crash and after like, you know, the financial kind of issues in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. So jobs were, good jobs were hard to find mm-hmm. and uh, in, in technology. So I, lo- I was down to like two, two people. I lost it to a guy who had a blog and a book. Wow. Right? And I was just like, I was steaming mad, but I was like, you know what? If, if that's what it takes to go next level, I gotta do that. So getting a book deal, was is hard but starting a blog was you know just it's like today i have thousand instagram followers equivalent right 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 well this is uh, and remember you know this is before instagram right there was Mm -hmm. before right right i I was just trying to make a comparison those days blog followers and a book is equivalent to today's followers on instagram well now you can self-publish on amazon with very little Mm -hmm. fanfare Mm -hmm. but uh and and if you have followers on instagram you can promote it that way this is before social media existed i don't even think myspace was around Mm, so kids ask your parents Mm -hmm. what myspace was (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) but um so then that got me into blogging and then um i would just write you know kind of like uh hey uh, this is what i discovered and um uh, i wrote a um uh, we had a voice over IP line. The cable mm-hmm. company uh, where I lived in New Jersey uh, had a voice line and it had this cool thing where you go into the website and you can adjust, like turn on f- call forwarding, forward your, your calls to this, turn on voicemail, like all this stuff. But there was no um, there was no API, as the cool kids would say, which being that you couldn't programmatically access that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you could reverse engineer one, which mm-hmm. is what I did. So I kind of wrote about that process of like, well, this is how I kind of like, broke into this and mm-hmm. it was legal, right? So basically I wrote a program that acted like a person was clicking on these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would be able to do it and just say like, you know, I would um, uh, hit a button on my computer saying, hey, I'm stepping away from my desk and it would automatically switch the voicemail to go to my cell phone, mm-hmm. which at the time was like, yeah, yeah, well, big and deal. And now it's like a given. You right, can, right. You can forward your email, voicemail. Or what's a landline email. now, Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> Um, so that, that, that was very useful and I wrote about it and people were like, well, that's so cool. And other people wanted to do it. And I ended up doing kind of user group talks and, uh, giving presentations on it. And, um, so that's kind of, I got into the habit of blogging. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I've been doing that. And it's still, I think 10, 15 years later, blogging, which today is more popular on medium. Right. It's still a powerful way of communicating what you have to say to the broader world, whether you want to blog on LinkedIn or medium. I think what's important to those who are listening is, is find your niche of what you want, you're interested in or expert on and try to write about it. Right. Absolutely. That's what you did. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. When you write about it, you're forced to learn it better. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, absolutely. Right. It's like it's like you're teaching and you're articulating what you're an expert on. Absolutely. So like, you know, if I if I have to write about something, I have to come up with a cogent argument and kind of beginning, middle and end and explain something, then you really know it. You know right. what I mean? Like it forces you to do it. I did a um uh, I think on uh, I write for MSDN Magazine as well, Microsoft Developer Network Magazine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, I my 
I also kind of also put myself back in the shoes of where I was mm-hmm. uh, four or five years ago when I was a Silverlight developer, which is it's, it's hard to say that without laughing mm-hmm. um, now. But um, I had to kind of retool into data science, and um, I I think back to where I was, and there wasn't a lot of beginner material back then, right? Mm-hmm. It was kind of assumed you've been doing this for a while, so. I write my articles to, to the stuff that I wish I had right. when I started. You know, yeah. like this is the audience of one for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll choose to write about a topic or I'll blog something mostly for myself because I'm like, mm-hmm. this is really cool and I want to watch this and this is what I think about it. So, yeah. So tell me how you got into data science and around what time frame because data science has evolved a lot in the last five years. Right. Um, so how did you get into data science? And just for everyone's benefit, how does data science relate to artificial intelligence? Right, so uh, I'll start with that first. Mm-hmm. Data science is kind of this generic word for all things that deal with data mm-hmm. and kind of parsing and, and slicing and dicing the data to find insight. Um, artificial intelligence and machine learning are kind of parts of that. So the big parent category, I would say, is data science. Machine learning is like the second category uh, because there's different ways to do machine learning. Some people's definitions will be very blurry mm-hmm. when you get to the specifics, but that really doesn't matter. I mean, the key is um, the key is understanding that machines can figure out things and they can learn things, but not learn in the way that necessarily humans do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can mimic humans, but they're not necessarily quite the same. Um, so I, what would you think is a good example for us to understand? It was interesting. I was speaking to a CEO yesterday, and he wanted to understand how machines actually learn, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you think is, would be a good example or, or an analogy um, to explain what machine learning is? So basically, there's two general types of machine learning, right? There's ones that are based on statistical analysis, right? So if I give you a set of numbers, one, two, and then three, if I ask you, what do you think that next number is going to be? It's going to be four. Four. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's one type of thing. So you can imagine in your mind a graph, right? Mm-hmm. And basically what you're doing is middle school math, right? You're, y equals MX plus B, right? That's kind of statistical analysis. Um, so basically it's just having the machine work through all of these combinations in ways that human minds can't, right? Uh, computers, well, our minds are kind of uh, wrapped around three dimensions, mm-hmm. right? Plus maybe four for time. Um, and you can, but, but machines have no such limitations, right? They can analyze a model in thousands of dimensions, mm-hmm. uh, which is way beyond, I think, any normal human being can, <laughs> can think about. Right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there's the, the something called neural networks, which, which are aim to mimic uh, behavior of the brain mm-hmm. in animals. Um, the short of it is that basically even a small neural network will have so many knobs and dials mm-hmm. that um, uh, a small neural network could have as many as 20,000 mm-hmm. um, what they call individual neurons and individual values. So we're in a, in a radio studio here and uh, you can kind of look around. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like you have that many knobs and dials and you can adjust something. Mm-hmm. So how a computer learns is it goes back and it makes mistakes mm-hmm. and it iterates it over tens of thousands of times. Now, it does that in seconds for us, mm-hmm. but it's going through this several thousands of times. That's why some of the things that it can do, it's quote unquote, so quickly, is it's not that it's really smarter, it's just faster, mm-hmm. right? How humans learn is essentially we try something, we fail, and we improve it, and we, we tweak it. Now, imagine... 
right. amping that up by billions of times a second. You know, I always say the analogy to my little son mm-hmm. who was going to be three, and how he learns is by observation. Absolutely, and, and uh, you know, path correction, which mm-hmm. is exactly what machine learning does, except that because of the horsepower they have they can do it millions of times faster oh absolutely plus if you think if you think uh uh, evolutionarily Mm -hmm. right um making mistakes sometimes was a deadly game Mm -hmm. (laughs) historically so you know we had to be a lot more cautious about it and there's actually uh this is way outside the scope of probably what your listeners are are interested in but one fascinating uh field is called reinforcement learning right which is exactly how kids animals learn Mm -hmm. is is through exposure and and uh uh experimentation which is Mm -hmm. uh, it's the most fascinating thing and and kind of how do you mathematically quantify what is learning Mm -hmm. right that that it's possible. And that's where the philosophy comes. Ah, what is totally. intelligence itself is the philosophical question. Right. Well, what is consciousness? Right. Right. Humans haven't figured that out in 5,000 years of recorded history. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not going to figure it out in you know, the next 10 minutes. Sure. Sure. So, Frank, I think if there is one advice, what would you advise our listeners as to how to get into data science, which would lead them to build artificial intelligence applications? So I would say the best thing to do now, we live in an incredible age where if I wanted to figure out, uh, we bought an old beat down home about 10 years ago now. I learned how to do a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. by YouTube. Mm-hmm. Right? How do I change a light bulb? No, mm-hmm. I'm, I wasn't that bad. But like, how do I replace a toilet? How do I replace a sink? How do mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, fix a window? Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in an age where if you have access to YouTube, I mean, you can learn anything. And the great thing about that is, uh, the, the bad thing about that is, sometimes you get to the advanced ninja level content, and mm-hmm. they start using words that don't make any sense. So you have to go back and like, all right, what was that word they used? Okay, let me search that and figure out what that is. And then you kind of, um, I think. Curiosity. I think you have to have passion and curiosity. I wanted to know how these things worked, whether I was 12 years old and I want to know how do I make this little thing on the screen fire a laser at that other little thing right. on the screen. Curiosity is um, the fundamental thing for everything. Absolutely. And and, and that's what that's what's going to curiosity is going to carry you through those depths of the the the, the, the they show this uh, this. Um, I forget what it's called, but it is a fancy graph where there's mm-hmm. a trough of despair, mm-hmm. right? That's what was going to carry you through is the curiosity. You want to get to the other side. and Awesome. I yeah. love it. Get to the other side. So what is the best way that uh, anybody who wants to know more about what you write, what is the one website or one link they can use? Sure. So there's franksworld.com. Uh, people always ask me, they always thought I lived in my own little world, so mm-hmm. now I have one. Awesome. Uh, franksworld.com, yeah. and I have a podcast, uh, mm-hmm. datadriven.tv. Yes. So thank you. Thank you very much, Frank. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back soon with another episode. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.